Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special bonus episode of We Podcast and We Know Things. My name is Greg Hall, and I'm joined by very special guests here who have taken time out of their day. Coming off their debut album, Violent Honey, we are joined by the band Beta Camp out of Michigan. Gentlemen, thank you very much for taking time out of your day to hang out with us on the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. So uh, before we get started, let's introduce the uh, the people uh, with you guys. So if you guys could go down the list, uh, you know, say your names and what instruments you play in the band. Yeah, my name is Hunter Lucas, and I uh, sing and I play guitar in the band. Hey, hey, I'm Alex, and I play bass. I'm Nick, and I play guitar. My name's Christian Hall. I play drums for the band. And Christian and I are not related. As many Correct, names. even though we, we do share the same last name. <laughs> <laughs> we share the same last name, but we are not related, I promise you that. But uh, So, how long have you guys been a band? Uh, uh, we've been playing together for about 12 years, is that right? 12 years, uh, since middle school, basically. And, uh, but yeah, so Beta d- Camp has been a band now for a week. <laughs> a week-ish, yeah. A week. so. And, and uh, we're under the impression you guys were Ellis before that. Yeah. So where out of Michigan are you from? We're from like Detroitish Michigan. We're we're right now we practice out of a space called Berkeley, Michigan. Mm-hmm. So it's just like probably fifteen minutes north of Detroit ish. So we just sort of say Detroit, whatever, you know. <laughs> Makes it sound tough. Yeah. <laughs> so were you guys all you're all from the same area, kinda of grew up together, uh, and you've been playing together for you said about a dozen years now? So, uh, bef- so you started off as Ellis. You've obviously recently made the transition to Beta Camp. What uh, did you have any projects before Ellis? Yeah, actually, when we uh, we started in middle school, and uh, we uh, we just kind of didn't really know what we were doing. And uh, our, <laughs> our band name was actually the Living Stones, we, uh, which which was very very terrible. <laughs> we uh, we were kids. I mean, we were about twelve and thirteen years old, and we uh, you know said, hey. Let's let's try this music thing. So we got together. Uh, we used to meet up at our church, and uh, that's kind of how we got started. You know, playing certain worship tunes and stuff like that. So uh, as we kind of you know grew up and became adults and could think for ourselves, we we decided to uh, change our name. Not once, but uh, we actually changed it. Obviously, again about a week ago or two weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, to uh, from Ellis to Beta Camp and that whole. That old transition. I don't know how much, how much you want to get into it today, but uh, well, uh, we're happy to yeah answer whatever. Well, how about this? So, talk to me about the first show you guys can remember doing together. The talent show. Yeah. yeah. It always <laughs> seems to be a talent show. show. It's always talent a talent show, show at our middle school. Yeah. Uh, just around this area, obviously, we played. Uh, Are you gonna be my girl by Jet? And nice. did we play anything else? No. Nope. Just, no, just yeah. And the funny thing is, is like. Uh, Nick, our guitarist, was actually playing drums that day, and Chris, our drummer, was playing guitar that day, and it was yeah, it was pretty good. We got like a standing ovation from like all the all the middle schoolers. So I, it hooked us, man. One of my groomsmen is obsessed with Jet, and I'm sure he would have given you a standing ovation if he was there that Dude. day. We should bring him out to a show sometime. We'll play it for him. So I actually planned on asking you that like way later in the interview, but I, I just bring it up now because you kind of brought it up. Is there any plans for more of a, a like a longer tour for this record? Uh, we don't really have any uh, official things that we're talking about about a tour right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some things in the works with it, but mm-hmm. nothing that we can really talk about right now. Gotcha. Uh, so getting back to the early days, you said you won a talent show based off of playing Jet, which is awesome. Are you going to be my girl? I think I'm sure you had everybody in the crowd singing along. 
at that point. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. not. Maybe, who knows? <laughs> I feel like most, most of the, you know, 11 and 12 year old kids didn't know the song. Yeah. Um, no, it was a blast. It was, yeah, it was the first time we did anything like that, and uh, it was super fun, yeah. Well, so obviously, did now did Jet, was Jet one of your musical influences at the time, or was that just a popular song you guys chose to go with? It was just a, it was just a cool song, and we thought that uh, you know people would like it, I guess. But you know, who knows? So, what made you guys? You know, obviously, as you're growing up and becoming more mature with mo- both both music and life, you decided to start this venture with Ellis. Talk to us about you know how that kind of came about, where you guys decided, okay, let's give this a shot. I mean, we just kind of thought about um, where we are, we were, where we were with our name at the time, and we, we needed something that suited us. We needed, um, we were transitioning in, into writing music that meant something and meant something more to us, and uh, we, we know we thought we had a voice with this. So um, when Ellis started to become a thing, you know, we, we started playing more shows, writing songs that um, we took actual time into and um, progressed and sat down with each other and we're like all right like what do we want to do um for our future and uh we all decided that the band was going to be it and so uh that kind of spawned where we were with that so as you're maturing and you're starting to write more music like you said that kind of means something to you talk to me about the musical influences i mean you can go on an individual basis you can go as a band but what are some of your uh, musical influences uh it's i mean i heard a, a an interview once and the the band that was talking in the interview i think it was uh the tyler joseph 21, 21 pilots he <laughs> was like i i liked his answer to that question it was like uh it's hard to pin down what your musical influence is because like you think as a musician every single song that you've ever loved in your life influences you mm-hmm. um but at the time of writing this record um I'd say a bunch of huge influences for me writing at least were uh, this guy named John Foreman. He's in a couple bands most famously known for Switchfoot. Um, I loved Ace Enders, obviously, mm-hmm. from the early November, um, the, our producer for the record. And uh, I love this guy named Noah Gunderson. Um, he's like a, an acoustic slash uh, uh, sort of like uh, just general rock kind of guy. And they're all just like really honest, sort of um, just brutal, raw songwriters. And I think that that sort of manifests itself in our, our writing and our music, and especially on this record. Forgive me if I'm incorrect in saying this, but I think I saw this whether on one of your social media pages. Um, did you ever, were, were you either playing shows with and or inspired by uh, Mike Main? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike Main's actually. Uh, he was like a, a big encouragement for us, like writing this record. At least um, he would he'd spend a lot of time with me writing this record. Not not really in the the point where he would like help me write, but he would just like sort of like I would bounce songs off of him, and he would give me feedback immediately. So yeah, he's he's been a huge influence in our band in general, and uh, yeah, they're a great band. They're one of our favorite. Yeah. Favorite. They- from around here i saw them open up for jukebox the ghost a couple years ago in philly that's why i I brought that up he was uh it was them the family crest and jukebox and he's uh actually he came on i thought was on that tour as well who coin they were yeah they were they were actually the band is great too yeah they were the opener i apologize and then it was family crest mike mains went on right before jukebox and they blew us away my the same groomsman actually that is in the jet went to me went with me to that show bought 
bought the his EP, or his LP. Uh, yeah. Mike Maines and the Branches, right? Yep. Yeah, yes. now I think they're just Mike Maines, though. They dropped the branches. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was 2015, I want to say, uh, yeah. when they came around. So shout out to Mike Maines there. And hey, listen, feedback is the breakfast of champions, as my boss always says. Right. So, so it's always nice to, to get feedback, especially from a guy like Mike. And hey, even Ace, and we'll get into that a little bit later in terms of you know recording at the Lumberyard and getting the feedback from you know a guy like Ace Enders. We'll talk about that in a minute, but... You know, you. I like the answer you said about you know, the musical influence piece. It is almost every song you've ever heard touches your. You know, I. When I used to play music and write music, I people ask me, you know, what are you doing it for? And I, I never had any other answer but this, and it was always, and it's lame. So prepare yourselves. But um, <laughs> I said I just want someone to get my song stuck in their head. That was it. Yeah. And. You know, I've been, you know, I've caught myself driving in the car, on an airplane, at work, whatever the case may be, listening to a song, and the the hairs on your arms stand up, and there's something that goes through, like, it just, you get that rush just listening to that tune, and, you know, I think that's obviously like a utopia for, for artists, but you know what, at the end of the day, you know, it never, never came to be, I, maybe somebody got one of my songs stuck in their head, I don't know, but I haven't written a song in a long time, but I like your answer on that, that was nice. Cool. Um, yeah. so you, you obviously were Ellis for a little bit. You switched to beta camp just a couple of weeks ago. Um, you had put out a message on your social medias again at beta camp band on Twitter and Instagram. Um, talk to us about, you know, you, you kind of mentioned on your social medias why you, you chose to go that direction, but let's talk a little bit deeper about that. Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, a couple reasons, you know, for the, the change itself, we, uh, we chose the name Ellis cause, uh, there was some meaning from our previous name and, and it worked for us and we thought it you know sounded pretty cool uh little did we know as much as it fit us there was a terrible band name because there are about 500 other artists named ellis so uh, we uh you know there's all kinds of things and struggles with that and um our music getting mixed up with other artists people not being able to find us so we said hey you know guys let's if we're doing this let's let's change our name so we uh tossed around about 10 or 12 different names and uh we landed on beta camp um not sure where it came from and and when we landed on it it didn't have any um you know immediate meaning you know it wasn't like oh let's name ourselves beta camp because of this and this but as we kind of uh, tossed it around we we found some meaning in it and uh we did we posted about it on instagram um actually all social media a couple weeks ago during the change because everyone asked you know what's what's going on so um the words beta camp you know beta is the uh the second letter of the greek alphabet um, being our second name as this group, you know, writing the music that we are, we felt that was, you know, pretty appropriate. Um, but also with, you know, um, like a, any sort of, you know, software or anything that's in a beta test, um, you know, it's, it's in a unfinished state, you know, uh, where, so we kind of applied that to ourselves too, you know, as, um, as men, musicians, you know, people just, you know, with what we're trying to communicate, always, always trying to be better than, than what we are, knowing that we are. Um, unfinished so that's kind of how beta was applied and then uh, with the word camp um, you know the the word the actual word camp is you know a temporary I think it's defined as like a temporary space for travelers refugees you know whatever but um we we kind of took that and, and applied it to to what we do and uh, camp can be you know a physical place like a stage at a, at a show a space that we share with people something that's temporary but super, you know, significant for, for what it is in the time. And, uh, you know, they can take it beyond that too. It can be something emotional that, that they share, um, with us beyond that. So, yeah. 
Um, and from reading the feedback in the comment sections and stuff, it sounds like you got a lot of positive feedback about the change. Yeah, it was. Uh, we weren't really sure, you know, how people would would uh, react, but it was it was received pretty well. So we were we were psyched about that. Absolutely. Last week you released uh, the debut album under the name Beta Camp, Violent Honey, which I'm excited to hear that process. But before we do that, while we're on the topic of how you got that name, I need to know, Violent Honey, how'd that come about? Yeah, Violent Honey. Uh, we kind of like. I, I don't know if I can speak for the guys, but I kind of like art to just sort of speak for itself and try to try for, to to let people just sort of find a meaning in it. But for me, Violent Honey uh, means like the the sweet things in life, the, the things that you you think are are gonna quench your thirst in life, or the things that 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 seem really sweet at first are sometimes the things that sort of tear you apart and and can be kind of kind of rough. So. That's sort of a, a main theme in this record, and we hope that people can somehow grasp that that kind of feeling when they get get deep into this record. Well, truth be told, I don't even know if you have to go that deep because when I listen to "Asleep at the Wheel," I kind of feel that that explanation you cool. just gave me through those lyrics, even through the opening lines, I kind of feel that exact emotion. So I think you nailed cool. it right on the head. That's awesome, dude. Thanks. Uh, absolutely, I, I would say to you know to me. Um, obviously Devil on My Shoulder was the first song I'd heard off that record um, Those the two verses they literally hook me I can't get them out of my head um, Asleep at the Wheel and Anchorage um, Anchorage is a song you posted a live video of from your record release show we'll talk about that a little bit later um, but those were the, the three songs on the record that jumped out at me as in I can't get them out of my head and quite frankly don't want to so talk to us about the writing process for Violent Honey um, yeah, it, it, it actually, it, it had been a while, we played, uh, like, Anchorage, that was a song that we had played as Ellis quite a bit, and, uh, it's, like, one of those songs that, like, when, whenever we play around our hometown, that area, like, everyone's just sort of screaming the lyrics with us, so it's just been, like, this really fun live experience, and, uh, it, it, it was really, really cool to be able to just lay that down in an actual recorded version, um, so that song just sort of I guess developed as we kept playing it live and we sort of wanted to keep that as a sort of live feeling song on the record so um, for that song that's how it sort of developed but a, a lot of the songs um, I ha I'd primarily write the music and, and the lyrics and then we'd sort of sculpt the songs sort of shave off the bad and um, as we would like rehearse and and all write together for the record so it was basically I would come up with an idea and then the guys would tell me if it sucked or if it was good, and uh, the ones that we thought were good or good enough, we just sort of whittle down or, or try to add some things to make them even better. But the the really cool thing um, with working with Ace in the studio was like he is a he's a great songwriter, and so like if there were parts of our songs that we thought were great or um, we just loved, but he didn't, he would like tell us immediately and be brutally honest with us, and so. There were times like in the in the rec or in the studio when he would just say like nope rewrite that like and I would be like okay I'll wait for tonight and I'll just write it later and he'd be like no do your job write that right now and so a, a lot of the record I mean I'd probably say maybe like two or three sections of songs in the record were just like written on the spot in the studio. It, it another cool thing about uh, the recording process with Ace is that we showed up to the studio with uh, 16 songs, 
and some of them were more finished than others, like Hunter said. Anchorage, we've played live multiple times. But, um, and then, like, other ones were, you know, just concepts or choruses or things like that. And Ace was really good at helping us piece together the 11 tracks that are actually on the record um, and figuring out, you know, how they were going to work together as a cohesive album. What made you, I guess, choose, or, you know, how did you end up at the Lumberyard? Yeah, we, uh, well, we loved the other November, and uh, we actually met up with Ace um, quite a few months prior. We were kind of interviewing producers and figuring out, you know, where we wanted to go. And um, the interview, or the, when we actually hung out with Ace, he was playing a show in Grand Rapids, and we, we hung out and talked about, you know, what, kind of what we're about and what we want the record to be like. And he really, uh, you know, wanted to focus on capturing kind of the, the live, you know, kind of raw passion that, that we really try to get out at a show and you know put that on a record give that to people to to take home with them and it was it was really cool how he did it because uh you know it there was you know no way i mean he wasn't he wasn't the captain it was like having a fifth band member for for three weeks and it was it was very you know um bouncing ideas off each other you know he he was never demanding or anything it was a really really cool and, and unique uh creative process for for all of us it was it was great so you yeah, must, it's, oh, sorry, it's, go ahead. oh i'm sorry it's kind of like uh, none of us really grew up listening to the early November. Like, I I had a roommate in college, Alex and I did, um, and he would just play them once they signed to Rise Records because he just loved Rise Records, mm-hmm. like all their artists. And uh, so I think we, Alex and I, first had our first uh, encounter with the early November and Ace in general with that record. Uh, gosh, what in, was it? In Currents? Yeah, it was In Currents, yeah. yeah. And I just loved that record, and I, we were looking at like who our producer should be, where we should record, and I saw on their the credits of those records, I loved how they sounded, we all did, so we were like, Ace Enders did these himself, yep. and it was just like, it was incredible, so it was just like, it just seemed right, they sort of seemed like the kind of feel of a record that we really wanted, so it was just sort of a no-brainer. And you said it took three weeks in studio? Yep. So did you stay in a hotel in the New Jersey area, or we uh, actually the studio the lumber the lumber yard is actually on top of uh, an antique shop. Yeah, and it's like so the second level is still an antique shop as well, but they have a couple of rooms that are dedicated to the studio, and one of those rooms is a bunk room, and there's no windows, and it's just four tiny bunks and uh, like a table and a fridge and stuff, and uh, we we kind of just stayed in there for three weeks. What was that like? What, what was it? What was it like to stay in there for three weeks? Uh, it was it was actually pretty nice. I mean, it like it was it was really cool being in an environment where like we couldn't leave the situation. You know, it was like mm-hmm. we were fully immersed in this like creative process twenty four seven, and like just being in that that sort of environment with people like Ace Enders and Nick Brzezzi from Man Overboard. Like, did you it was meet- just like it was like unreal yeah. it's very very cool one of the coolest things we've gotten to experience for sure Serge uh, from the early November mentioned Dom Maggi as a super intern is that true? <laughs> yeah oh yeah Butter <laughs> King <laughs> we, we love Dom yeah we call him the Butter King for some reason I think there's you guys have places called Wawa there yeah uh, every corner yeah yeah see we don't have <laughs> Wawa yeah and, and this guy that guy Dom he would like order like a oh, butter, buttered roll or and like extra butter on so the side. Ace just called, started calling him the butter king and 
that's just who he is to us now. Just Tom the Butter King. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, I didn't I didn't get that from Serge. That's cool. <laughs> that's a yeah. good story. Um, so three weeks in studio, you guys. Practically, I mean, you did. You live there. Talk to me about like a, a normal day. What time did you wake up? Start recording. What time did you stop? Yeah, we uh, we'd get up actually around eight or nine. We, uh, you know, when we got there, you know, Ace kind of told us, "Hey, a day of work is is kind of like a nine to five. Well, no, we we kind of went later than that. It's usually till about nine. nine to, usually nine to nine. Yeah, but we'd uh, we'd get up eight or eight or nine o'clock in the morning, and. Uh, there were no showers at the uh, at the studio, so we actually uh, had a deal worked out with a gym down the street. So we'd go walk down, walk down the street with our towels, take a shower, come back, eat breakfast, whatever, and then uh, and then it was go time. You know, it was uh, it was great because we weren't you know we weren't home, we weren't going home to see our loved ones and all that. We were we were there to work, and that's what we did. We uh, some of us more than others, but we well all of us. I mean, we got we got pushed really hard, you know, creatively to to dig and and pull things from from you know what we what we could and you know what we could create and uh put it on the record something you know fresh and different and really dig to not not have this be you know just another record but something that you know was was more than that and uh so yeah we'd we'd be tracking drums were first so we spent about a week um i was tracking drums and every day it was playing drums for you know hours on end and uh it was grueling, but it was it was cool because you know we didn't always too well other than talking to him. But we we all kind of went you know you're forced to go zero to a hundred you know with uh, you know your relationship and it was uh, it was we became really good friends in the studio and it was uh, it was super fun. So on the last day, you get done, you wrap up. What is that feeling like? It it was weird. I don't know. Like it was so fun the whole process. Like like just working with them every day like not even just ace like just working with like the the three other guys in the band like it was just so fun and like it, it, it seemed like a big accomplishment but it also felt like really like it must have been a sad day because like I, I probably wanted to keep creating and kept keep being in that environment but i don't know i wish i would have like written a journal entry about it and figured it out a little bit more but it, it was good. Like, we took a picture with Ace, and it was just like, we're done, we're good, we got it done, and it, I'm sure it was accomplishing, you know? It felt accomplishing. Did you take, did you make, like, a video journal or video diary of the process or anything like that? Uh, we did a little bit. We never released any of it, but it, it was more just sort of something that we really, <laughs> like, just look back at and enjoy. It's nothing I don't think we'll ever release, but... Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I... I actually thought of, I, I kind of want to know, you know, because we talked about how I had found out about you guys basically through the Lumberyards Instagram page where they posted that video of Devil on My Shoulder, the lyric video, the music video. What was that like? I mean, you guys dressed up in all white are getting, you know, for, for Devil on My Shoulder, for those, you know, obviously I posted it on my personal Facebook page and the We Podcast We Know Things Facebook page. So go check that out uh, of the video for Devil on My Shoulder. But you guys, you're in what looked like a very confined space in all white, getting doused with what, what I assume is honey. Um, <laughs> so, so talk to me about what it was like to shoot a video, much less that video. Uh, so it was, uh, it was interesting to say the least. Uh, we had, uh, a, a couple of our good friends behind the camera, um, helping us with this, uh, this idea that we had, um, where, you know, we, we went on Craigslist and found the cheapest instruments we could have, spray painted them white, uh, dressed in all white in a, uh, 
locker room at our old middle school uh, <laughs> that we put some tarps up and uh, bought a lot, a lot of honey and just doused ourselves and uh, played uh, played to our so- own song for about eight hours. Yeah, it was a super long video shoot, which was like terrible, but super fun, but mostly terrible <laughs> because we would get honey poured on us like for one shot or whatever, one video reel, I don't know, the the words for it but uh and then like you're just standing there until the next time you're up like just sitting in this sticky nasty honey and it burned our eyes it so, so bad, bad dude. <laughs> but we think it we thought it was cool we thought it was like a good uh just sort of promo kind of thing for like our our friends and our fans who were like waiting for our, our record violent honey we just thought it was a kind of cool way to just sort of release it kind of well and uh, we got a lot of cool feedback from it, and I think it was it was received pretty well. It's spectacular. There's a shot of a, I think a slow motion shot of, uh, of Christian on the drums, like banging the drums, and the honey just kind of starts flying off. Uh, yeah. And it, it is a fantastic shot, so kudos to that, uh, to you guys for that. But what, so I think my big takeaway from that story is the fact that it was real honey. I would have assumed. It was real honey. I would have yeah. assumed some sort of, like, sugary water substance that is kind of food colored but no, no you, you went... know we probably should have thought of that <laughs> probably would have been a bit cheaper but whatever man uh, that seemed to be a probably a pain in the ass to to get off i'd assume to to wash it out wasn't no, too bad not too bad at all no, no. really yeah we ended up just throwing away the instruments uh-huh. but uh yeah it it actually in the locker room like in our studio it was just like a shower so we ended okay. up just like showering off right there it's pretty easy so, what made you choose you know, Devil on My Shoulder for your first, I guess you can call it a single? Uh, I don't know. We just, I, I think that's, that song is good. I, I think we all like it. <laughs> yeah. And we thought that, that people would respond well to it. Um, I don't know. It, I think it just brought out a lot of the energy in this album. And uh, it, it was... I don't know. We thought it was a good first taste into the album. You know, it's, we thought it was a song for most everybody. I don't know if you have heard or will hear this again. I may be off base. I may not. But my opinion would be on that song. I, when I first heard it, I was like, okay, this is this is. I've described to my friends when I'm talking to you about you guys is it's exactly what. I wanted to listen to, but completely different from what I've ever heard. That's kind of been the phrase I've been using. And, That's really clear. And uh, when they kind of try to expand on that, I'll put the song on, and then we'll listen to a different track. That song to me is different than the rest of the record. I get a completely different vibe. I was not expecting acoustic intros and this, that, yeah. and the, you know, and to be able to throw that curveball in so I'm not getting 11 tracks of the same thing, that to me was like, okay, this is mastery because I'm sitting there, you know, I bought the record first day. Um, I got it on iTunes. I suggest everybody out there listening to this does the same. Um, go to iTunes, pick up Violent Honey. If you obviously haven't already, you should. We're 27 minutes into the conversation. Uh, but I'm listening to it, and it's my now wife. Uh, she she and I are listening to it, and she likes the early November, but not loves. She likes, uh, you know, dance. Uh, I'm sorry, the Jukebox the Ghost doesn't love. Like We have similar tastes, but she's more of a country fan. I put on Devil uh, for her, and she was just like, I can't 
stop listening. Like I, I want to play it again. And that to me was where I knew it was a fantastic record because she is just like Ace, very bluntly honest uh, when it comes to music and her taste. So it was really cool to know that like when we're taking a long drive, I can pop on Violent Honey in its entirety and we can just sit there and enjoy it together. So you've made a record that you can play all the way through without skipping a track. And to me, that is you know, my first record I ever heard that I could do that. It was 1994, Green Day Dookie. And <laughs> Love it. I, do, I don't skip a track when I listen to that record. And I, and I found the same um, two years ago or three years ago when Jukebox came out with a self-titled. That's the same thing. Um, the Room's Too Cold for the early November. Same, I mean, most early November records, to be honest. Same thing. Um, and now I found that with Violent Honey. And to me, that's, that's something I'm looking for because I'm in the car a lot. I'm driving a lot. And music's a huge part of my life. So to have something like that is, is huge. So, I, you know, as a fan, but also, you know, somebody who's just communicating with me now, thank you guys for making a record like that. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for thank listening. You. Yeah, thank, yeah. You. thank you. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Like, it's, it's cool to know that someone's, like, across the country listening to our music. So it's... Thanks for listening, for real. That's cool. I appreciate it, man. Um, so you guys had a record release show recently. We yeah. did, yeah. Talk to us about it. Um, it was just uh, a night that we, we planned for a, a while. Um, we tried to get um, a lot of our, our friends and bands um, with us to create a, a really solid bill um, and just um, hoped and uh, prayed a lot that we would uh fill the room with all, all our friends and family so we can just all sing the songs together um, and just play our hearts out for all of them for uh, helping us uh, uh, make this record and supporting it so it was it was it was an incredible night and uh, I'm pretty sure we won't forget it for a very very long time yeah absolutely yeah it was I don't know if, if we talked about this at all before but uh, the record was actually crowdfunded um, quite quite a while ago so this was you know Obviously, you know, a, a huge night for us, but the fact that, you know, we were finally able to, to give back, you know, with more than just, you know, uh, t-shirts and CDs, other things that people got from the, the crowdfunding project, but to have a night dedicated to anyone, you know, who would listen, but specifically to the people who backed the project and, and literally made it possible, um, it was just, it was, it was an honor, it was, it was great. I didn't want to bring it up, you know, uh, just because I, I, th- I had thought it was for... You know, more specifically, a record under the the name for Alice, but it does make sense. You guys asked for you guys started an Indiegogo. I believe it was twelve thousand. You were uh, was your goal. You reached twelve five. I believe. Correct. Yeah. Uh, what I have to know is, did you take the people out for burritos? We haven't yet. Like, uh, it's funny. We we tried setting up one of the burrito dates. I think there were two people that got them. Yeah. Yeah. And one. Uh, one we just had to reschedule, but we have them scheduled in the calendar right now. So I think we're going <laughs> next month with someone for That's, a burrito date. I, I've seen a lot of Kickstarters and Indiegogos and GoFundMes, and I've never seen a burrito date. So <laughs> hey. yeah, we we know a lot of bands who've who've done them and uh, seen success, and you know, seen where other bands have struggled. And we thought we thought you know, let's let's get creative, let's make this you know goofy, whatever. Let's just make it interesting and. And yeah, it, it seems to work a little bit, yeah. so it was cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I would ask myself or ask you why burritos, but then I think Serge has a tattoo of sushi on his ankle. <laughs> wow. So, so I guess, yeah, I guess it's not too strange, but that's awesome. Uh, is there anything else that you guys want to talk about specifically about uh, Violent Honey, talking about the lumber yard, um, the release show, anything at all that you guys want to touch on? Uh, I don't know. It. One thing that we sort of found out about 
this, uh, like, especially with our release show, is just, like, how how cool the the scene or, like, the, the music, uh, like, community is in Michigan. Like, we've got, like, really great promoters. We've got really great bands. Um, people are just passionate about what they do, and it's just a really cool place to be, like, creating things. And I think that uh, it comes through a bit in our record, like, uh, the hardworking kind of, uh, like, blue-collar kind of music that comes out of, like, our sort of, like, Metro Detroitish kind of area, and uh, I don't know. That's about it. I guess Michigan. I guess I gotta <laughs> give a plug. It's funny you said that. Like uh, when you're listening through the record, that um, that it's not like the same song over and over and over again. One of our, our close friends um, in this group called Fusion Shows. They're uh, like a, a promotion company out here. They're they're like trying to get us into more cities around the area, and they were just like, we don't know like who to book you with because like not a lot of bands sound like you guys and it it was sort of like it, it just felt kind of cool like just hearing that we sort of created something that that we love so much that's sort of different than what a lot of a lot of bands that our friends are in and stuff like that create so i was uh texting my buddy mike uh, about this a couple days ago um and he used to be uh, we used to play music together, whether it was acoustic duet or he played bass for us a little bit. Um, and I was texting him about this and he said, I have to go listen. He went and listened. He texted me back. He said, it's the best voice he's heard in years. And I was like, hell yeah. Like I could totally, <laughs> I can totally see that. So sh- shout outs to you guys. Um, uh, by the way, uh, Wolverines or Spartans? Spartans, Spartans for sure. Wolverines, dude. No, <laughs> that a value. I mean, I'm not a huge college football fan, but I just pick Michigan over state. I guess. I'm. A, I've been a diehard Wolverines fan my whole life. <laughs> Sorry no, about well, that. One yeah. of us is actually an Ohio State fan, I'm so the, we're really split. I'm the last one to answer. Half my family's from Columbus, Ohio, so I was the kid who grew up in Michigan, wearing Buckeyes gear to school. People being like, "What is wrong with this kid?" And, uh, yeah, so I'm. But if it came down to, well, Michigan's our rival, so i got to pick State. Ugh. I mean, uh, listen, I'm the kid in Philly, living in Philly, from Philly, wearing Michigan stuff. So <laughs> it's, people had to ask me my whole life, like, why Michigan? Why not Penn State? Why not Villanova? I went to a small university here in Philadelphia, so obviously my allegiances lie with my school, uh, LaSalle University. But um, it's because Robert Tractor Trailer, uh, Michigan b- college basketball player in the 90s. And since then, I was six or seven watching on TV this huge dude who looked like a, a man in- amongst boys playing basketball. And I was like, uh, Michigan, my whole life. So there it is. But I hate Tom. I don't do Tom Brady. So it's that simple. But we, we are a nerdy. Actually, you know what? While we're talking about sports, I had you guys had mentioned tonight was the night you could do it and originally we could not do this uh because generally tuesday nights i have hockey and when i let you guys know that um you seem like you're hockey fans heck yeah Uh, that's my favorite sport yeah yes all right i have a giant flyers tattoo too when we were kids and yeah man hockey for sure detroit uh so red wings uh, we have a blue jackets fan though no, no way! Don't, no. No. <laughs> you have only been around what fifteen years? Yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. They're on right now. I'm actually watching their game against the Hurricanes right now in front of me. <laughs> uh, the Flyers come on at, in twenty minutes, so I'll, I'll be watching that tonight as I'm editing this. But uh, yeah, I have a giant Flyers tattoo too. It was actually my first tattoo. It was a big Flyers one. So hockey so, is my life. Good. So, uh, any other sports you guys dig? 
No. I enjoy football, but I mean, hockey's definitely number one. Professional wrestling? Yes! Alright, <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm, an, I'm okay. a nerd, but I'm also a sports fan, and that, those two things generally don't mix. Uh, you either love video games or you love sports. You don't tend to like both, but I find myself loving both and professional wrestling. Actually, I got my wife into it, too. She's now huge into it. <laughs> now, I watch every pay-per-view. I watch Raw. I watch SmackDown, da-da-da. Uh, come on now. So, did you, did you watch Hell in a Cell the other night? Um, no, uh, a buddy of mine actually went, and, uh, I got all I needed from his, uh, Snapchat story. It was in your town. Like, uh... Right, listen, <laughs> I can't afford it. <laughs> she actually, for a wedding gift, my wife got me, we just got married less than a month ago. She got me... Yes. Yeah, we heard you say groomsmen, and we were gonna, yeah, that's awesome, man. Thank you. Um, on the wedding day, uh, she surprised me with two tickets to the Royal Rumble. And, and she wrote me a note, uh, and in the note, she basically summarized our, we grew up around the corner from each other, so we've known each other, like, our whole lives, and wow. in the note, she basically summarized our entire life, but used only wrestling puns. Oh, man. Oh, no. And, love. and she, she asked, she told me I could put it on social media, so I, I will probably drop it on our Instagram page now that I'm thinking about it, um, but... I'm like super hyped because not only for my wedding did she write me the best note I've ever read, but she got me two freaking lower level tickets to the Royal Rumble. So shout out there. She's above me right now. She's upstairs. So shout out to you uh, up there. But we are a nerdy podcast. We talk about music, but we also talk about movies, TV, video games. So to wrap up uh, kind of the interview, and thank you again for taking the time, what are some of your favorite movies? I just, uh, so I love this comedian named Kyle Mooney. Mm-hmm. He's on SNL. <laughs> the guys hate him. Jeez. They can't stand it. But he just came out with this brilliant movie called Brigsby Bear. And I think it was only released in like, probably like a thousand theaters, like nationwide or something like that. Yeah. But it's like a pretty indie movie, but hilarious, beautiful. Mark Mark Hamill. Yeah. Uh, Luke Skywalker's in it. It's just a great movie. You gotta check it out, man. I hope that it'll come to a streaming service soon because I have to check that. It's very rare where a movie comes out and I haven't heard of it. So you stumped me there. Yeah. Um, yep. Wow. That's that's awesome. That saddens me, man. <laughs> what about the rest of you? <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry about that. Uh, I'm a I'm a huge Tarantino fan. Nice. What's so. your favorite? Uh. We're not maybe not favorite, I, but I, maybe Jackie Brown. Wow. Yeah, um, I might be in the minority on that one, but uh, it's a good one. Sure, absolutely. I would say uh, That Thing You Do is my favorite movie of all time. Uh, oh, that is a great movie. And, <laughs> yeah, and it's like not, not enough people know about it, but when you watch it, you know why I'd love it. You know why yeah. it's great. Uh, it's extremely underratedly quotable. Um, I talk about the best in the Southland, Peach Cobbler, like all the time. Uh, and li- What's up? I think actually like uh, two of us were in choir one or th- maybe three of us were in choir one year in high school and we did that song as like our high school choir. Really? Yeah. Newfound New Glory. Newfound Glory covered it in one of their... Really? Uh, oh, I've that's heard hilarious. It. Yeah, they did it in one of their... They used to do back in like the mid-2000s, early 2000s, they did a bunch of compilations where they just did covers from movies and they picked that thing you do, uh, which is awesome. I would say my... Yeah, that was like my... One of my first introductions to Liv Tyler, who was definitely my childhood crush. Uh, nice. But she was also in Empire Records, which is probably my close second in nice. terms of movies. That, did, have you ever seen that movie? 
Yes, yeah, it's uh, it's been a while, but uh, it's uh, I, all I remember from it is that kid was caught shoplifting. Yeah. And he, uh, they played an ACDC song. That's all I remember from it. <laughs> I've been trying to get the guy who plays Rex Manning on the show because I want it to be Rex. Oh my goodness! I want it to be Rex Manning Day on my podcast. <laughs> what about? Hey, uh, speaking of uh, Liv Tyler, have yeah. you seen Armageddon? I've, I think everybody's seen Armageddon. Okay, well, just making sure that's like a household staple like, yeah. in my family. So that's that's definitely my. We all talk about also. I'm, just so I don't come off as like some indie like movie <laughs> nerd, because I'm not. I just love that guy, Kyle Mooney. The best movies tied for me are Back to the Futures Part One and Two. There's Three a... you can just like erase, but Parts <laughs> One and Two. There's nothing, nothing and wrong the with the Back Ducks, to the Future. Oh my gosh! We're talking about hockey. They uh, now which now which one? Because some people will argue that two is better than one. Uh, yeah, I'd say that's absolutely true. Oh, yeah. Two minutes yeah. for roping? That's a new one on me. <laughs> I love it. I think that, I think two is by, I think two, actually, I think I saw two before I saw one, so I kind of have that childhood memory of watching two. There was, my. I think my favorite part, because it's so utterly hilarious uh, in the movie, is when they're playing Trinidad and Tobago in the Junior Goodwill games, and they're up nine to one, or nine nothing, and Trinidad scores, and they go nuts on the bench, and they start playing steel drums on the bench, and the coach, <laughs> and the coach just screams, "Way to go, man! Way to go!" And I'm dying. I think the funniest thing is like they're like Junior Olympians, the second movie, and it's like a huge accomplishment, and then the third movie, they like go off to <laughs> face the varsity team. <laughs> yeah, like, the high school, break. the Eden, oh, the Eden. I can't Eden remember. Me, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember the. Eden, uh, I can't remember Warriors? the. May I think so. I just remember they they tie the Blake Freshman Bears and Paul Korea's in those movies. So shout out to Paul Korea. But uh, what about TV shows? I mean, I, a lot of people, you know, going down. We're kind of go a little bit shorter on this, but um, you know, some people. You have The Walking Dead that everybody loves. You know, my. Yeah. Uh, yes. Obviously, I watch game. that uh, like as it airs. That's like the only show I watch as it airs. It's, really? like, it's a great one. What about Game of Thrones? Yeah, I'm too far behind now. They're like hour long episodes. I, I just it's I'm gonna so catch up it. one day, but I haven't yet. There's no such thing as too far behind you. It, it is <laughs> I know. I don't. I haven't had the time. And also, like I've seen all the spoilers, so like oh. I'm not in a rush. Oh, but I will watch it. Game of Th- I would say. Uh, Game of Thrones is my w- number one. Uh, Breaking Bad. Well, actually, I mean, Breaking Bad is probably my Breaking favorite Bad TV show of all time. <laughs> You're about to say like the sentence I always say is like, I think Game of Thrones is one, but maybe Breaking Bad is one. Uh, we can do this because Breaking Bad, I would say, is the best cable television show of all time, and Game of Thrones <laughs> okay, is the best yeah. is the best premium show of all time. HBO yeah. Showtime. Uh, but I mean, I just got the wife into The Sopranos. She's never seen it before, so now we're going through that again. So she's the, she's digging that. I love The Sopranos. Anybody? Sopranos fans? Uh, I've never seen it. Yeah, no. I'm sorry. I've seen like the gun as the R and the, the font, but no. <laughs> yeah, that was that was David Chase. Very clever. Um, what else? Uh, sh- like Shameless? You watch any like Shameless? Anything like that? Mm-mm. No, Shameless. Had to pass. My Sh- favorite show of all time is uh is The Office. I have every. Every DVD, I've seen every episode at least like four times. It's us, uh, because like, people love The Office or they hate it. A lot of it's super dry and like really awful to get through, but it's like my all-time favorite show. Sadly, gosh, 
like from like a half hour kind of comedy or sitcom or drama standpoint sadly my favorite show of all time and this is coming from a 29 year old man is uh degrassi Whoa. Nice. shout out to drake <laughs> shout out to drake i like drake before he was drake man i miss Damn jimmy it. i miss jimmy but can't say that i've ever seen an episode <laughs> <laughs> you're not missing anything i promise you that it's so cheese but i just can't help myself uh are any of you guys gamers huge gamer oh yeah what kind i'm not yeah, uh, PC. Really? Wow. Oh yeah, I finally, finally, somebody that is a PC gamer on the show. Now I'm not. I'm fully oh, console. Really? Master Race. <laughs> but, yeah, right. But well, I just got sick of trying to keep up with the new Xbox and then the new PlayStation. Like, I just built a PC, and if I want to upgrade something, then I can. See, it's easier. Right. See, like, see, here my problem is in front of me right now is a Wii U, a Nintendo Switch, a PS4, an Xbox One, a Nintendo 3DS. I, have, I don't know if I said Switch, but I have a Switch in front of me. Dude, the what mini- do you do, man? Let me hook me up. Yeah. The, the mini... The, hold on, hold on. I'm not even done. The mini... <laughs> the, the mini Nintendo uh, nice. that came out. Yeah. Two of the mini Super Nintendos. A regular Super Nintendo, a GameCube, a PS2, and a Nintendo 64. All right, we get hey, it. Dang, man. You're a collector. <laughs> that's so right. Friend, that's right. My friend let me borrow his Switch for a while, and I beat the new Zelda game in, like, a week and like explored the entire world i and i'm not really a gamer but yeah. i just like played zelda from when i was a kid sure like ocarina of time yeah that's the best video game that's been invented <laughs> ever. ocarina or breath of the wild game. no 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 the new one breath, breath of the wild of, breath of the wild yeah, yeah. nuts I, I haven't even gotten halfway through it because i have so many consoles and i play so many games it's tough to dedicate like a hundred hours to something but that to Dude, me would have been while you guys were up in the bunk bed up in the lumber yard it'd been perfect time killer there right, that would have been awesome um yeah people ask me all the time like how do you find time to play them all and i say like i don't uh, <laughs> but when you wake up I, i'm not really a big sleeper i'm usually up 4 35 36 o'clock in the morning so like while wow. she, she's sleeping till nine i got three hours in the morning on the weekends that's pretty much my time we record the podcast at 7 a.m on saturday mornings um which people often call us crazy for but that's about the only time we have. So I very I don't get to game as much as I'd like to. But have you ever heard of uh, something called speedrunning? No. Yeah, actually, uh, there's a there's a cool place around here in Detroit called Assemble Sound, mm-hmm. and they do these like uh, these sort of um, like little nights where they have like panelists come. Like next week, they're having like a, a Spotify representative come and give like a, a speech about like the future of music and stuff and so i was there a couple a couple weeks ago and there's this guy who is from a band that we would play with quite a bit who just said he went professional speed running gaming and he explained it to me where he like has people like just like watch him play video games and like beat it in like five minutes or oh, something yeah. I know that is, sorry. and i was just like that's what you're talking about right that is what i do on the side yes that's nuts. No way. So yeah. do you make money from doing that? I do. That is the coolest no thing in the world. Then, and I have a full-time job, so I do. I I basically do that at kind of like late night, like 10, 11 o'clock. I'll stream for a couple hours. Uh, my big game that I speed run. I speed run. <coughs> excuse me, I'm coming off strep throat. Uh, my three big games that I speed run. Well, I guess four would be uh, Mega Man Two on NES. Love um, it. 
this game called Mighty Gunvolt Burst, which is basically like a Mega Man clone. It's from this year. It's really, really good. Um, this game called Spin Master, which was on the Neo Geo from the 90s. Uh, and then the original Super Mario Brothers, which is probably the nice. one I'm best at and the one that I'm kind of known for online as I carve out my little space of the internet for myself, selfishly. Um, I, well, I, I want to look up that video because I've seen a couple of the Mario Run videos. So I want to, what, like, do you have a link or uh, yeah, absolutely. I'll shoot I it to, you. to find yours? I'll shoot it to you guys uh, okay. on social media. Yeah, uh, cool. the world record for that game is 4 minutes and 56 seconds. Um, and then some change. It actually is down to the millisecond. Uh, wow. Technically, it's down to the frame, the single frame, because it's that wow. it's that optimized. And there's right. three, there are three people as we speak going to for the world record, um, which I'm watching nightly. My time is five minutes and sixteen seconds, so I'm twenty seconds away from world record. So uh, people ask me like, how? And I said it's a game from 1985. If you practice it enough. <laughs> You'll get good. It's I've played it my whole life. It's you know I think the hard part is you know I've memorized to this point. I know exactly where to jump, how far to jump, when not to jump, what to do, what the enemies are going to do. Yet right. yet I've still played the game three thousand times. Like I've failed at that game. The hard part about speedrunning is it takes a lot of patience because um, you just fail so much. And you have people come in and they watch you stream and they basically show up for the chat. Like they'll talk in the chat and I read the chat as I'm playing. So I interact with the audience as I'm playing the game. And I think that's why people come because you watch, let's say I'm streaming for three hours. They'll, I've maybe complete two, three runs the entire time. So for two and a half hours, I'm just failing and failing. So you have to kind of be entertaining and keep people engaged. So yeah. I, I try to do it that way. Um, but yeah, I'll send you a link to my the run that I got five sixteen on. I did it in okay. July. And do you uh, stream on Twitch or what, yeah. what do you use? I stream on Twitch, uh, Vanilla Bear thirty five. Uh, All right. Yeah, I got that name because vanilla is my favorite kind of ice cream, and I dig polar bears. <laughs> nice. I love it. So simple as that. Um, but that awesome. yeah, and and uh, I think I think if my my wife had it her way, she would you know say I probably got to ditch a couple of those consoles but she got me some of them so I can't really can't really say anything there but she right. she's been supportive um, so thank you guys again so much for taking the time out of your day we've been here for almost an hour it's been just over 50 minutes so thank you guys again you can find Betacamp on Facebook you can search out Betacamp you can find them on Twitter at Betacamp Band also on Instagram at Betacamp Band I believe BetacampBand.com as well but I think that's under some maintenance yep. right now yep yeah awesome so look forward to that go on iTunes Download Violent Honey. Please support these guys. They are totally worth it. You will not be disappointed. Guys, thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, thanks thank for you, having Greg. us. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right. I appreciate it, guys. And that has been a very special episode of We Podcast and We Know Things. Sam and I will be back this weekend for the big episode 60. We're excited to have you. Can't wait. We'll see you then.